This week, we're talking about planning a photo trip, and you're listening to the Landscape Photography Podcast. Greetings, everyone. I hope that you are all well. This week, we're going to be talking about planning a photo trip. It's one of those questions that comes in pretty often when I ask for show suggestions. And I think it's because it's honestly, as a photographer or as a nature photographer, it's one of our favorite subjects. There are a few things more exciting than planning for a trip, especially if it's somewhere, it's a, if it's a destination that we've been looking forward to for a long time. Because a lot of us don't have the opportunity to travel terribly often, we tend to put a lot of pressure on those trips and we really want to make sure that we get the most out of that trip. And for that reason, we don't want to screw it up. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about some of the things that I do to plan for my photo trips and also some of the things that I do not do because you can kind of set yourself up for disappointment if you try to do too much. So that's what we're going to talk about this week. Also, I wanted to give a little bit of a update on my current situation. As most of you know, probably that follow me on social media, I've re-injured my back. Anybody that's been following me for a while knows that I have a history of back issues. It's actually how I got into photography. I've had a couple of back surgeries. They were both discectomy slash laminectomy surgeries, which basically means they cut out the herniated part of the disc and they hollowed out my spinal canal to try to make more room for my spinal cord. Lovely sounding, I know, but I have re-herniated one of my discs. I know this not because I've been to the doctor, but because I know exactly what it feels like. Right after the event, my back seized up and was spasming for multiple days. I could barely walk, and then that was followed by nerve pain in my legs. And as a self-employed workshop instructor, it's kind of an ominous thing because I've only had two back injuries in the past, and both of which led to surgeries. So you can imagine the ominous cloud that is kind of hanging over me. At at the time of recording this, I'm doing quite well. I'm standing, I'm walking a lot, and the nerve pain has begun to subside. I'm really happy about that, but I'm not going to be out of the woods, so to speak, until, you know, I'm a little a few little bit further down the road. Typically takes about 6 weeks for a disc to heal. So I'm trying to take it easy as best I can. Go, I'm going a little bit nuts, but I'm trying to do all of the right things and none of the wrong things. But because of this, I have put all of my tutorials on sale temporarily. All of my tutorials are 30% off. So if you are one of those that's procrastinating on picking up any of my tutorials, now would probably be a great time to pick that up. If you use the offer code BADBACK22, That'll get you 30% off on any tutorial. So anyways, that's kind of a update on my situation. I'm very optimistic moving forward that things are going to uh, be okay. Um, But I did have to drop out of my Iceland workshop, unfortunately, simply because sitting on an airplane for eight hours straight is the absolute worst thing I could do for my back right now. So I had to find a replacement for that workshop, but I'm hopeful that I'm going to heal up and be okay. Uh, I hope that you guys cross your fingers for me. So anyways, let's jump into today's episode talking about planning for a photo trip.
Planning for a photo trip is near and dear to my heart. I think that nature photography and landscape photography kind of go hand in hand with the love of travel and seeing new things. And when you're planning for a photo trip, you really want to make sure that you get it right. We tend to put a lot of pressure on those trips because we don't get to do them terribly often. And sometimes they're going to be that once in a lifetime trip. Maybe you've booked a trip to Iceland or Antarctica or somewhere really out of reach, somewhere you're not going to get to go to again, likely in this life. So you tend to put a lot of pressure on those trips because you want to get the most out of them and understandably so. My photo trips always start with some form of inspiration. Usually there's some reason that I'm going to a particular place. You don't just pick a random place on the map, typically. Typically, you're going to a place where you have an idea of what's there. Sometimes that starts with a series of images you've seen. Maybe maybe you've seen all of these wonderful swamp photos from southeastern Texas, or maybe you've seen the incredible mountains of the Canadian Rockies. Usually there's some kind of inspiration that's leading you to a place. So my trips typically start with that inspiration. There's typically a reason that you're going to a place. So let's use the Canadian Rockies for an example. I will often start with looking at those inspiring images and trying to figure out, you know, the general area of where those images were taken. And I will create a little Google map for myself. So what I like to do is I will cross reference images and names of locations, and I will put them into a little my map or Google map that I can refer to later on. Now, the important thing in this stage is to not get too bogged down with exact locations because I'm not personally ever going to a location to try to recreate other people's work. I mean, go in there because I know it's an inspiring place, not necessarily because it's a photo that I want to recreate. So for that reason, I'm not looking at very specific locations. I'm more looking at areas that I want to go and explore. So what I like to do before leaving is I like to try to fill up a My Maps or a Google Maps or maybe it's Gaia GPS with a bunch of waypoints for general areas that I want to go and explore. Another thing that I like to do is I like to have multiple places on the menu, so to speak, as far as I don't want to try to plan things too far out in advance. The reason for this is because weather plays such a huge, huge part of what we do and the success of the light that we get. I like to have a few options and then make last minute decisions on which area is going to be the most photogenic. For example, especially this time of year, we're entering the fifth season here in the Pacific Northwest. We're entering smoke season. It's becoming a larger part of life in the Pacific Northwest or in Western Canada, there are so many wildfires this time of year that it re you really can't count on having decent conditions or clear skies of any kind. Smoke and wildfires are always something that you have to worry about and take into consideration that might be a possibility. So what I'm saying is for that reason, you want to have multiple places that you could potentially go during that time off that you have scheduled. So you can schedule your time off well in advance. Next year, during this time, I'm going on a trip. So maybe what I'm saying is I'm going to the Columbia River Gorge during fall color, or I'm going to Texas uh, to photograph swamps. 
have a couple options and then book those accommodations and f- any flights or make those plans to actually go to those locations last minute as the date gets closer. That way you have an idea of what kind of weather you're going to expect, whether there's any conditions that might throw a big wrench into your plans, like a wildfire consuming all of the Pacific Northwest and you can't see your hand in front of your face because of smoke. Having plan B and maybe even plan C is really wise during these times. That way you have options and you can make the most of that time off from work and make sure that you're going to get good conditions or at least put yourself in a, in a situation where you're more likely to have good conditions, which always lead to better photos. So as the date gets closer, you're about two to three weeks out. I feel like that's about the time that you want to start making those plans because now those weather forecasts are a little bit more reliable. You're going to have an idea of what kind of weather to expect. And for this kind of information, I like to refer to multiple apps. One of the easiest ones is called Storm. It's from the National Weather Service. And you can just kind of click on an area and it will give you your extended forecast. I also like to use Windy because it has a webcam function where you can turn on webcams all across the United States and Canada and all over North America, at least. I believe it works in Europe as well, where you can actually look at webcams and see exactly what the conditions are like in those areas. That's really useful for trying to determine what kind of visibility you have, whether there might be smoke, those kind of things. So it's really useful for trying to uh, predict what kind of conditions you're going to have. So now that you have some information on what the forecast is going to be and what weather you're likely to run into at these different locations, now you can make kind of an educated call on which location to go to. So now you can narrow it down and decide where you're going. Now you can kind of move forward with those plans to go ahead and go to one location or the other. Once I arrive on location, Now's the time where I want to just try to be inspired and go into creative person mode rather than going in and trying to have all of these preconceived notions of I want to create this kind of image and this kind of image. I try to go in with as clean a slate as possible because I find that the, the more preconceived notions I have about what types of images I want to create or what I'm going to create, I'm just setting myself up for disappointment. I enjoy my time far more when I go in with a clean slate, everything is new and fresh, and I'm just responding to what is inspiring to me. So I like to go to some of these locations that I've, that I've assigned on my Google Maps or my guide GPS. I like to go to these areas and just try to go into little kid in a candy store mode where I'm just looking around at awe at everything and trying to narrow down what I'm the most inspired by and what I really would like to take home with me. So for example, if we're in the Canadian Rockies, there's big, beautiful mountains, right? And I want to make sure that I come home with images with mountains in them because that's probably why you're there, right? Or if you're in the Texas swamps, you have these beautiful cypress trees reflecting into the water. You try to just react to what is the most beautiful and what is the most inspiring to you. By reacting to what is the most exciting and inspiring to you, it puts you in a more creative mode than trying to squeeze reality into a box. Meaning I have this preconceived notion of what I want to create. Now I'm trying to find it out in nature. 
And that is the most frustrating process you could ever go through because you're more than likely not going to find perfection out in nature. Rather, you're much better off to just respond and react to what you see rather than trying to force nature into your little preconceived notion of what you want to create. Oftentimes when I'm photographing a grand landscape, I start with my background. So I'll try to find those backgrounds that are the most appealing or the most exciting to me. And I try to build images from the background. So I pick my background first. Then I try to find other pieces of the puzzle that help tell a story of what it's like to be there. If we're in the Canadian Rockies, sometimes that can be a beautiful beach along a lake. Sometimes it can be framed with trees. There's all kinds of options. And the, the best process is to not try to force it, just to try to wander and react to what you see. And the more you explore, the more you wander, the more likely you are to find something that is all you. And it's not something that you saw in an image somewhere. And it's not a preconceived notion of what you want to do exploring with an open mind is always the the most enjoyable part of going to a new place and it's also just a great way to get into a creative space mentally i feel like we create our best images when we are in in that kid in a candy store mode when everything is just new and fresh and exciting and really that's that's why we like to travel we want to see new things we want to see those beautiful things that maybe you saw in a brochure somewhere and the thing about those brochures or those images you've seen online, they all pale in comparison to the real thing. If you go with an open mind, things are so much bigger and more impressive in person than they ever are in an image. That's really why you want to go in without those preconceived notions is so you can fully appreciate the place that you're going to. The more you fully appreciate that place, the more excited you're going to be to be there, the more excited you are about being there, the more excited you're going to be about the images you make there. Another thing that I tell my workshop clients oftentimes is like, if you're in a place and you're, you're struggling to make a composition, I always ask myself, if I go home and I tell the story of this place to my family, what would make it into that story? And what would not make it into that story? So if I'm in the Canadian Rockies, it might be the mountains, the trees, the beautiful lakes. It's probably not going to be the tourists or the sidewalks or the cars, you know? So I try to include all of those things that I love about the place and exclude all of the things that would not make it into my story. And that's really how I create the building blocks for a composition. I try to include as many of those elements. That way I can have a a very detailed, complex composition without it being messy and cluttery and having a bunch of stuff that doesn't really help my story. Building compositions is all about including the things that you love and excluding the things that you don't. Hopefully this helps. A couple of apps that you can really use to help planning these photo trips are, you know, just a simple Google document where you make a checklist of all the different areas that you might want to explore or a Google Maps document where you can create a My Maps and create all those waypoints. That's another great free option. I have Gaia GPS, which is a kind of a premium app. It's a really excellent app and it's really, really valuable if you use it much. It is kind of expensive though. I believe it runs like $70 a year or something. But in Gaia GPS, you can have really detailed map overlays that I really like. And you can create waypoints with images and information and exact GPS coordinates. 
And I find Gaia GPS to be really good for planning those trips as well. So hopefully this helps guys. Hopefully there's a nugget in there somewhere. I hope that you are all well. Remember, if you want to pick up a tutorial, you can do that. Just remember the offer code is badback22, and that's going to be good through the end of the month, which is September of 22. So I hope you are all well. We'll see you in the next episode. Take it easy, everybody.